man, we're excited and we're excited about Easter. And man, I want to encourage you, jump on the one part of the app and the tear off. And we're just expecting. We, we've seen what happens uh, when people show up expecting God to do something on Easter. In fact, one of my buddies, uh, Don, a few years ago, had an amazing story of how this room was full on Easter Sunday. He got sent to the other service. At first, he was a little bitter. And then God showed up in a major way. And so we're just expecting God to do some, some big stuff over Easter. And so we'd love to join you in praying for those things. And we're just, we just can't wait. Uh, honestly, it seems like Easter's almost here. Now, if you're like me, you don't necessarily think about that at first. Easter seems sort of far off, but think about this. We're only 21 days away from Easter. We are 21 days from celebrating the day that changed everything, the day that Jesus beat death. And one of the things that I'm convinced of is if we're not careful, we'll miss the importance of that day. We really will. We'll miss the significance of that. Why? Because we get so busy. Why? Because we've got so much other stuff going on. Why? Because we're, we're, we're just so in the daily grind that if we're not careful, we'll come up to Easter Sunday and we'll miss celebrating the day that changed everything. And so what I want to do for the next couple of minutes is I want to talk about one of the things that could keep us from experiencing Easter. There's a lot of things that keep us from experiencing Easter. Busyness, preoccupation with other stuff, uh, distractions, drama, health. There's a lot of things that could keep us from experiencing Easter. But one of the big ones is what we call counterfeit Christianity. In fact, I, I thought about... Uh, uh, having some of these today, like let's, let's put these on, but this idea of counterfeit, this idea of fake, this idea of a costume, because here's what happens, especially here in the South, is man, we're so, we're so focused on looking what I would call religious that we miss what it actually means to be in a relationship. And those two things are different. I don't, I, I don't know how that hits you this morning or not, but I gotta be honest, a lot of times when I meet people and they ask me, so what do you do? I'm a little bit nervous to tell them. I've been tempted to lie about it. I haven't done it yet, Chuck, but I've been tempted to lie because sometimes it's, sometimes it's awesome. So yesterday, this weekend, I, I preached in Columbus, Georgia. And so I was checking out the hotel and the lady saw my Bible. She's like, so are you a pastor or something? I was like, absolutely, yeah, yes, I am. And then she said, well, you don't look like one. Like, what, what does that even mean? Is there a uniform? Do I need to slick my hair back? I, I, you know, I, I don't know what that means. Do I need to have pleated khakis or, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. That. So that was kind of cool. She ended up actually preaching to me, which was awesome. She had a very, very cool story. But sometimes when I meet folks, they just sort of shut down. I mean, they shut down. Back in January, I was at this thing where there was a lot of really successful people in the room that had businesses, made a ton of money. I was talking to this doctor guy, very, very cool guy, but eventually it came up because everybody asks you that, right? I'm just roaming around the room, lots of folks. They're like, hey, I'm Jim, I'm a lawyer. Hey, I'm Joe, I'm in banking. Hey, I'm Bob, I'm a builder. And just on and on and on. <laughs> Proud you got that, thanks. Just seeing who's awake on Time Change Sunday. <laughs> and you're just going around the room and everybody's like talking about what they do. And so this guy, he looks at me, so what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And you could see all the blood <laughs> drain out of his face. Sometimes people get really spiritual and sometimes people shut down. And this bro shut down and he's like, I gotta be honest with you. He said, I don't really like, I'm not really religious and I don't like religious people. I said, that's great because I don't either. 
because religion is not the same thing as relationship. Religion is this external thing, right? Religion at its root is actually binding, and that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't come to bind us. Jesus didn't come to make us religion. See, religious, see, what religious does is religion is man's attempt to get up into the presence of God. All world religions have their way of doing that. I, I, I gotta do more stuff, I gotta be a better person, I gotta memorize some stuff, I gotta spend time on mission, what, whatever. Religion is my attempt to get into the presence of God where Christianity is God's attempt to get into the life of us. That's different. See, all real, re, world religions are, I'm gonna work my way up the ladder, I'm gonna work my way up this mountain, and one day I'm gonna make my way up into the presence of God. But in Christianity, God comes down in the form of Jesus and through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, it's not us making our way into his presence, it's him coming down and living inside of us. And that's a big difference. And the reason why I think this is such an important topic for us to talk about today, because honestly, it's not a fun one. This is not one of these messages that I was like, this is going to be great. This, this, this isn't necessarily one of the fun ones, but I think it's a necessary one because if we're not careful, we'll settle for the counterfeit. If we're not careful, we'll settle for something that's surface. If we're not careful, we'll settle for religion and we will miss the most important relationship. And this is such a big deal that if we're not careful, we'll miss what God wants to do this Easter. And so what I want to do is I want to read you a couple of verses this morning. They come out of a little letter in the New Testament called Romans, because in the early life of the church, the, the gospel message of Jesus spread and everywhere it went, it, it changed people's lives. But the people that lived in the city of Rome, they had a lot of tension. They were trying to figure out what does relationship versus religion look like? Because in Rome, there was all kinds of religion. I don't know if you've ever visited Rome, but you can walk down the ancient streets and you can see all of these temples set up for false worship. You can see all of these buildings that were used to worship false gods. And so this was a religious city. And so these early believers were struggling with that. They had all of this external religion, all of these temples, all of, all of these rules, all of these codes, and they're trying to figure out what of that is the world and what of it is real. And so Paul began to write them this letter. And man, the book of Romans is what it became in the Bible. It's so, it's so detailed because what Paul begins to do is the first six or seven chapters of this letter, he begins to lay out a treatise of our faith. He begins to give this theological framework that's very heady and very detailed because he's trying to help them because these early believers, they felt that tension, the tension of trying to perform, the tension of trying to measure up, the tension of everybody's judging me. And if you've ever felt that, if you've ever felt judged, if you've ever felt the weight of that, if you've ever felt the, the tension of trying to measure up, you know a little bit of what they felt. And so by the time you get to Romans chapter eight, which most people call the great freedom chapter, he begins to describe how different relationship really is. And so if you've got a Bible or if you've got the app, I'm going to invite you to check out Romans chapter 8. And if you've got something to write on, something to write with, I'm going to invite you to write down what I call the characteristics of a counterfeit Christianity. 
if this is such a big deal, how would we spot it in our lives? What would we look for? Because here's what I found in my own life is it's easy to spot this in somebody else and it's really hard to spot it in ourselves. It's really easy to look at somebody and say, well, they are religious, not relationship, but it is so, so hard to see in our lives. And so what I want us to do, I'm gonna invite you to write these down or you can track along in the Sugar Hill Church app. And I want us to begin to test ourselves because again, we don't want to miss Easter. Listen to what Paul says as he writes in Romans chapter eight, he gets to this, this, uh, this build up moment. And here's what he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This is a big deal. They're, they're living in a culture where there's all of this false worship, all of these false idols. And he says, no, 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 no. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's not about rules. It's about Jesus. And so how would you know? How would you spot this sign? Number one, that we are settling for a counterfeit Christianity is number one, anytime we focus on the external. That's symptom number one. Anytime we focus more on the external than we do on the internal. And so as Paul writes in Romans chapter eight, there's this tension underneath the surface where he begins to describe this idea of being pulled into this old mentality. In fact, here's what he says in verse four. He says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now that word law in their day and age could have, could have, um, signified several different things. Sometimes when you heard the word law, you thought about the 10 commandments, right? This is God's law that God gave. Sometimes when people say the law, when it comes to the scripture, they're talking about the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Old Testament. It was also known as the law. Sometimes when people talk about the law in scripture, it's the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Sometimes that's the law. And so all of that, regardless if it's the 10 commandments, the book of Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, all of that's a lot. Well, there's a group of people in the early church that didn't think that was enough. It was a group called the Pharisees. And what the Pharisees did is instead of just taking the 10 commandments or just taking the book of Deuteronomy or taking the first five books of the Bible, they went through and they combed every page of scripture and they came up not just with 10 commandments, not just with the hundred, here's what they came up with, 613 commandments, 248 mandates, 365 sacrifices for a total of 1,226 things that they were trying to obey. Now, is anybody like me just worn out thinking about that? I mean, I don't know what your morning was like, but man, time change Sunday, rainy day, and then somebody shows up and says, oh, and by the way, there's over 1,200 things you gotta get just right. See, here's the mentality of religion. Religion focuses on the outside, and it's this idea. They're basically, the Pharisees were basically the hall monitors of their day. They, they made the rules, they kept the rules, they told anybody that broke them. And so their mentality, you gotta keep all of this, and if you break just one, then you're out. The problem with that mentality is, man, you could do a lot of stuff on the outside. You could jump through a lot of hoops externally, but just because you kept rules on the outside doesn't mean that your heart has ever been changed. In fact, when Jesus encountered these guys, he looked them in the eye, the most religious leaders of his day, and he said, you are hypocrites. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. 
And man, I'm telling you, this is, this is easy for us to get pulled into. It's easy for us to get pulled into looking right on the outside. In fact, before I came, became part of the team here at Sugar Hill Church, I spent several years traveling full-time, speaking at camps and conferences and, and all of this. And during that season of being on the road, I had the privilege of serving three different churches as their interim pastor. If you don't know what that is, it's when a pastor leaves and they're sort of the season in between and they need somebody to, to help bring direction and to preach on Sunday. So I, I, I was able to do that at three different churches. And one of those churches had basically grown stagnant. They kept growing older and older and older. They weren't reaching young people, young people, young people. And so finally they, they decided, hey, let's do something. Let's try to reach the next generation. So they put this big effort forward. They did a lot of very cool stuff really sacrificial, and students started showing up. But there was a tension in that. What happened on this one particular Sunday is three students showed up and they didn't grow up in church, they didn't grow up around the things of church, they didn't know sort of the church etiquette. All they knew is somebody invited them so they showed up. And so these three guys came and they walked down and they sat on the front row and they had their hats on. And at the church, that was a, that was a deal breaker. They didn't know it, they didn't grow up in church. They were just, somebody invited them, so they showed up. And so they came down front and they sat and they had their hats on. And man, part of me is thinking, man, this is awesome, they're here. Part of me is thinking, man, this is great. These are, 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 we're just so grateful they're here until I saw somebody that had been around the church for a long, long time get up and they walked all the way down to the front and they knocked their hats off one at a time and said, you don't wear your hat in the house of God. And those three guys got up and left. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it, it has this gravitational pull because there's part of me that's like, man, I don't blame those guys for leaving. And then there's part of me that got angry. I'm like, is that really what we're about? Is that we're, we're about some sort of dress code? That's why I, one of the reasons why I love Sugar Hill Church is our dress code is just wear something. <laughs> that would be pretty good, right? <laughs> And so there's part of me that's like, man, that made me so angry because it, it, here are three people that are just showing up. They're like, hey, I wanna check out this whole Jesus thing. And yet somebody was so focused on the external that they missed. It's not what we wear that makes us right. I mean, if you wanted to get really theological about it, these kids weren't wearing their hats in the house of God. They were actually wearing them on the house of God. But I guess that's too deep for them because Bible says we're the temple of the living God, right? And so my, my tension is, are we trying to fight an external battle of fashion or are we fighting for actual faith? And I'm telling you, this is dangerous, it's subtle, it's easier to spot in other people. So sign number one we need to look for is anytime we focus on the external. Number two, the second sign that shows when we've shifted away from relationship to religion is number two, when we're fueled by self-effort when we're fueled by self-effort. So as Paul's writing this, he says to them in verse five, he says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now we don't have time to dig into all of this, but what Paul is talking about is self-effort. There's this comparison he makes throughout this letter to the early believers between faith and flesh between the spirit of God and our human effort. And so one of the signs that we've shifted away from relationship is when we start saying, well, I'm gonna try to do this myself. I'm gonna try to clean up my own act. I'm gonna try to make myself extra spiritual. I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna give more money or I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna join more groups or I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna serve more, 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 more. See, on the surface, none of those things are necessarily bad, 
But I'm telling you, when we're doing it out of our own strength, it will not last. I mean, this is the problem with the Pharisees. The Pharisees came up with those 1,213 rules, those 1,213 little things that they were trying to do. And what ended up happening is instead of making them look more like Jesus, what it ended up happening is it made them rely on their own personal performance. See, what the Pharisees did is they're like, hey, if God says don't do this thing, whatever that thing is, if God says don't do that, then we don't want to get even close to that. So what they begin to do is they constructed guardrails. You know what a guardrail is when you're traveling, right? That keeps you on the road. Now, if you hit the guardrail, it causes damage, but hopefully it keeps you from going over the edge. You see what I'm saying? So it's not fun, but it keeps, and so the Pharisees start out with this good idea. Hey, if God says, don't do this thing, then let's put this little spiritual guardrail up to keep us from getting close to it. And then what happened over time is they created another guardrail. So God says, don't do this. So we're gonna put a guardrail and then we don't wanna hit the guardrail. So let's put another spiritual guardrail up. And over time, man, that list just kept growing and growing and growing. And what ended up happening is they got so impressed by their guardrails that they totally missed God. And that's what personal performance will do. If we're not careful, we'll show up and we'll hear about relationship, that Jesus is the one that changes us, that his spirit comes to live inside of us. We'll say, that's great. And then we'll go to work and try to earn it ourselves. It's like, here's a free gift from God. That's great. Well, let me try to earn it. And I've seen what happens over time. When somebody shifts from relationship and says, here's what I'm gonna do for God. Here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do here. In fact, when I see somebody that goes from being completely off for God to being completely on and overly zealous, it's a red flag. Honestly, it's a red flag for me because I've seen what happens when we try to live out of our own power, out of our own ability, out of our own strength, it just doesn't last. So what do we look for? Man, how would we know we're drifting into this mindset? Again, it's not about a building. Again, it's not about a particular religion. It's about the shift from relationship. Number one, when we focus on the external. Number two, when we begin being fueled by our own self-effort. Number three, our, it forms what I call a spiritual pride in our life. This is what's so dangerous. It forms a spiritual pride in our life because here's what happened for the Pharisees. The Pharisees kept, came up with all these rules and they're like, look how great we are. Look how amazing we are. Man, look how spiritual we are. Look how religious we are. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Chuck preached on the passage where you've got a Pharisee and a tax collector. They're at polar ends of the social scale, polar opposite ends of the spiritual scale where the Pharisee's boastful, beating his chest. Look how amazing I am. When you've got this tax collector that's brokenhearted because he recognizes he has nothing outside of God. Listen to what Paul says as he's writing. Look at verse six. He says, for the mind that is set on the flesh, listen to this phrase, it's death. And I guarantee you there are some religious people that are like, what are you talking about, Paul? Paul, this is our way of living. We're really religious. And Paul's like, yes, religion outside of God, religion as a way of trying to earn your way into the presence of God, it actually leads to death. 
And what happens in our generation is we get pulled into this as well. Again, this is easy to spot in other people. It's hard to see in our own selves because we don't see it in ourselves. Here's what happens when we get pulled into this religious kind of mentality outside of relationship. Here's what happens. We end up getting judgmental. We're convinced that we're the ones that have it all right, that we've got it all together. And so we begin to spot other people and we're like, man, I can't believe that person. I can't believe that person. I can't believe that person. Look at that person, look at that person. And what ends up happening is we become judgmental. I heard somebody say one time, if you hate the people that Jesus died for, something's wrong with that. When we get pulled into religion, man, we get judgmental. Here's what else happens. We start keeping secrets. We start keeping secrets. I see this sometimes in small groups I've been part of where somebody is just completely vulnerable. They're like, hey, would you pray for me? My, my marriage is on the rocks. Hey, would you pray for me? I've got a child that's wandering. And you know, th- there's some real transparency. And then somebody else in the room is afraid to be transparent because again, they're thinking, man, I've got to look like I've got it together. I've got to act like I've got it together. And so to pray for something real, it feels like it's too vulnerable. And so they're like, oh, I've just got an unspoken request. I'm like, what would happen if God had an unspoken answer? You see what I'm saying? I've got an answer, I'm just not gonna tell you. There's something about being able to drop our guard. It's okay to not be okay. In our world, religion says you gotta look like you have it again. I mean, Sunday morning is a great example of this. I woke up and I'm thinking, man, it's raining again. Amazing. Isn't that awesome? I don't know where my umbrella is. What, you know, so you got all this chaos. Some of you on the way to church, you had like WWE Smackdown in the backseat of your van, right? Some of your kids started reenacting Lord of the Flies right there. I mean, I don't know what happens between home and church where the, you know, one kid lost their left shoe, the other kid lost their right sock. And then, you know, you're, you're, going, you're having a meltdown right at the light out here. And then suddenly you get to church, you see Kenneth Wells out front greeting you saying, hello, brother. And suddenly you go from casting out the demons in your kids to hello, brother, how are you doing today? <laughs> Isn't it a great day to be in the house of the Lord, amen. <laughs> It's that performance mentality. And it's so subtle. It's so subtle, but man, it starts with us focusing on the outside more than the inside. It leads to us trying to do it out of our own strength, out of our own ability, out of our own cunningness. It leads to us having this this boastful, this spiritual pride where like, look how good I am. And then on the inside, you're actually falling apart. So what's the answer to all of this? I mean, what's the solution? Is there a way that we can get pulled out of this? If this is not what God intended, if this is not what Jesus came and died and rose again for, what do we do? Well, here's the last thing if you're a note taker. Number four, we must be, I'm telling you, we have to be freed by the Spirit of God. See, the Pharisees, they're all about the law. The Pharisees are all about the code. The Pharisees were all about, hey, did you keep the 1,200 things? And what Paul says in Romans chapter three, look, the law can't save anybody. When we get to heaven, heaven's not gonna be full of people that kept all 1,200 things, right? Heaven's not gonna be full of good people. Heaven's gonna be full of forgiven people. What Paul goes on, yeah, 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 that's a good place clap. I messed it up. Awesome. Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 3 that we have all, we're all dead because of our sin. 
See, religion's all about the outside. Religion is, I've got to look like I've got it together. I've got to wear the right clothes. I've got to go through the right motions. But man, what a dead person needs isn't better clothes. What a dead person needs isn't more surface stuff. What a dead heart needs is life. And what Paul makes the case for is that the law can never save anybody. That the law's intention was never to save anybody, but the law's intention in Romans 3, he says in verse 20, that its intention was actually to show us our need for a savior. And then what Paul says in Romans chapter five, at just the right time, while we were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for our sins. He says in Romans chapter five, verse eight, but this is love. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we are still sinners, not once we kept all 1,200 things, not once we checked off all the boxes, not once we cleaned up our act. He said, while we are still sinners, even on our deepest, darkest day, he said, this is love that Christ died for us. Religion, I'm gonna work my way up the ladder. Relationship, God came down to this earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life. When he went to the cross, he took my sin, your sin, the sin of the entire world, when he breathed his breath and said, it is finished, he paid the penalty we could never pay. So do you know what I think God wants for us, from us today? I think all God wants from us is this. Religion is, I'm gonna try to be a better person. I'm gonna keep more rules. I'm gonna look good on the outside. I'm gonna carry myself just the right way. I'm gonna judge everybody that doesn't do it the way that I do. And what ends up happening is it becomes this glass ceiling between us and God. And what God's actually asking us to do is just to be open and to be empty. It's not about my performance. It's not about the external. It's about his spirit stepping out of heaven and stepping into my life. As we get ready for Easter, don't allow your life to be like this. Let's purposely take time to say, God, I don't have it together. I've screwed up a, a, a lot in my life, but God, I'm open and I'm empty. And my friend, I'm telling you, that is the antidote to counterfeit. Christianity. Can I pray for you this morning? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? And even if you're watching online or listening to the podcast, as long as you're not driving, I invite you to close your eyes as well. But this morning, as I pray, is there anybody in the room today that would just say, Bobby, pray for me. I, 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 I don't want to miss the relationship side of this. I don't want to miss Maybe you feel pulled into rules. Maybe you grew up in a culture that that feels more natural to you. And yet this morning, God's sort of tugging on your heart saying, it's not the rules, it's not the rules, it's not the rules, it's the relationship. If that's you and you just say, Bobby, would you pray for me? That I would be open and empty, that I would be available to the relationship of God. If that's you and you'd let me pray for you, would you just slip your hands straight up in the air, straight up in the air? You're like, hey, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Even if you're watching online, you can click the button to drop us an email and say, hey, would you pray for me? We'd be honored to do that. If you're watching on Facebook, you can drop a comment down there. We'd be honored to join with you. Father, all across this room, I pray that you'd help us to empty ourselves so that we're available for you.
God, I, I got to be honest. I, I, I lean into the rule category so often in my life. God, help me to be more concerned about what's going on on the inside of my heart than what people think on the outside. Help me to be open and empty. And as we pray, maybe for you, there's never been a moment that you've asked Jesus to step out of heaven and into your heart. There's never been a moment that you've put your trust in him. You could do that this morning. There's no magic words. It's not some formula. It really is putting your faith in him. And if it helps in your head and your heart, you could pray something like this, where I'll just say a line and you can say a line in your head and your heart. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. But I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me. Would you fill me? just a moment I'm going to finish praying then we're going to stand together before we head out today man I want to invite you to lean into this song into this course because the word that we're leaving this place with is not religion it's not rules it's not self-effort in fact sometimes when I talk about this subject some people are like but Bobby if you tell people that what if they go and they live however they want to I don't know about you, but for me, when I felt the weight of the forgiveness of Jesus, it didn't make me want to live however I want to. It shifted, in fact, in my life from instead of I have to go to church and I have to give and I have to serve and I have to do all this stuff. When I realized the gift of God, it shifted from I have to to I get to. I get to worship the risen Christ today. I get to give towards things that actually matter. I get to join and serve other people that help reach the world for Christ. I don't have to, I get to. Father, across this room, help us to feel the weight and the significance of that word forgiven. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, before we leave, I'm gonna invite you to stand. Zach and the team 